I'm going to take you back, actually, that before I do, I would like to pray and ask God to lead, be here with us, ask the Holy Spirit to be here with us and lead me and guide me. We have a lot we want to do in this. How much time can I have? An hour? That would be wonderful. <laughs> anyway, I've been waiting for years to be able to share uh, with this church what I've been doing, what God has been doing, um, sometimes through me and sometimes through my friends, and what he's been doing for me uh, to be able to work for him. And, you know, when he asks us to go, you know, he provides the means. And I just want to bow our heads and just thank him and to ask for his guidance this day. Father in heaven, I just want to praise your name. I just want to come before your throne. We are all here. We are all here, Lord, to worship you, to give you our praise and to give you the honor that you deserve. Lord, you are a miracle-working God, and without those miracles in this world of sin dominated by evil, we would not even be able to go forth. But you have asked us, in Matthew 28, um, last several verses, 18, 19, and 20, is there's to go into all the world and preach the gospel and share your love with the people of this world. And Lord, as we endeavor to do that, each one of us, as you give us ability and the time and the means and the knowledge to go forth, it's so wonderful that you've also provided the provision and that you also give us the desire of your hearts. In this, in these trips, I have been able to see the world that I, I never thought I'd be able to see all these things and to be in all these different places. But right now, I can honestly say I am a world traveler. <laughs> and that's only because of where you have sent me and um, provided the means to go. But Lord, as we open up these, or we tell these stories that are all based in uh, you and for you because of you, may you be blessed. May the world be blessed. May the people here be blessed. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I titled this Hope Help and miracles for Haiti, and somehow I got to get a little away from this, um, because Haiti needs hope, and of course we know that Jesus is our hope and our salvation, and Haiti needs Jesus, and uh, they most of them know it, and uh, but we all know that in Haiti, as well as other parts of the world, we there. We're fighting uh, principalities above our own human ability, and it will be made evident. They need help. They need our help. And the reason, biggest reason I can see why they need help is because in all their governments, there has been a lot of greed and uh, not a care for the people. And as you see in our government, that's happening here as well. But... Um, Haiti was hit with a earthquake, 
And you can see here, this is the Haitian capital. And I don't know, I can't get it any bigger. Is there a way that maybe we could have the lights dim so the pictures can be seen better? Is that better? And yeah, I don't even mind if these are dimmed somewhat, but um, I want you to be able to see that this building used to be several stories high and it collapsed in on itself. And um, this is their Capitol building. You know what our Capitol building looks like. And this center thing was the highest, and it's now the lowest. Another view of it through the fence. Joe here has seen it since I have, and this is the last I got to see it. This is what it looked like when I was there just two weeks after the earthquake. And Joe has seen it since then. He says, Sherry, it's never been rebuilt. Um, it probably, is it totally nothing there, Joe? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, they haven't had the money um, to rebuild it. This is the judicial building. It fell in totally, and the people underneath it did not survive. This is the telecommunications building. You can see that just things just crumbled and twisted and um, this is our Sabbath afternoon walk, by the way, around the town of Port-au-Prince when we got there. I just don't know if you've gotten to see anything like these pictures, so I thought I would share a few. Just to remind you what earthquakes can do. Now this is just trash. People don't didn't know what to do with their trash. There was no uh, garbage collection during that time, and it just accumulated. And everywhere we looked, even in the waterways, there was styrofoam. Well, this is just one of many tent camps that, tent cities that popped up around to provide housing. There were people that did not even have a tent and slept out on parking lots that where they were allowed to come in and lay a sheet and, and uh, sleep out in the open. This one is a little nicer, provided by UNICEF, but you see the one in the middle with the blue tarp? That's what most of them look like. They would find a tarp, in fact, but they were only about a quarter that size, and uh, the, the tents were lining the avenues of the streets in the middle. And uh, they leave, lived in tents, and we lived in tents. And this is the one of the orangish, yellow ones in the back was my house. Yeah, we shared it with five to six people. Our team from this area was sent out by Second Hope Ministries International. And do you remember that? It was right in this church that this team began. And so you have a very, uh, you should have a very special interest in this because it basically started here. Most, several of those people are from this church Everyone is from this area. The one um, right here, and I don't know if I have a pointer or not. But anyway, that's Chris. He's from Dayton, and he's an EMT. And in the middle with the red uh, sweater is Dr. Ted Flays from Milton Freewater. He's a dentist. You know Keith Cantwell uh, right next to him. And the other people were workers in St. Mary's, and the other people are from this church. And, uh-oh, uh I messed up. I hit something that didn't work. 
how do I get it working again? <laughs> okay, Scott, I messed up on this thing. So anyway, just keep moving it and um, Is there a way to get it to advance again? Oh, there we go. Okay. So we left from the Dominican Republic and went to Haiti. And when we got to Haiti, uh, we joined a team. Oops. We joined a team called um, Axe World Relief. And all the teams that came came to this point. A lot of them were Adventists, a lot of them were not, and we joined forces together. And during the few little bit of time that we were there, um, that this Axe World Relief was there, we handled almost 10,000 people. Um, like I said, it was more than just our team, but I remember, you know, every 10 or 15 minutes we had a new, a new person. I became a doctor while I was there. Uh, Keith was always Dr. Flays's assistant, and of course, Dr. Flays, I will tell you, had his 90th birthday while we were there. God did many miracles for us. We traveled. Um, did you see this bus? During our travels to different distances to take these clinics, um, our driver did not see a speed bump, and they have some good-sized ones, and we went over that speed bump, and the people in the very, well, even I, I flew, we all flew up out of our seats, but the people in the back window hit their heads on a sharp part of that window, and some of them had to go to the hospital, and they had an emergency uh, ship out in the ocean, and one of them went there because his injury was so bad. The miracle for me, now the miracle for him is that God blessed and, threw, and answered our prayers and brought him back safely. But the miracle for me was I had told before we start, nobody wanted to sit in that back seat, and yet we needed people to sit back there. And I said, well, I'll sit back there. And my interpreter, who, was, who uh, still talks to me just about every day today, said, no, Mom. And by that, actually, he called me Dr. Sherry at that time. He said, you're sitting right here. <laughs> Don't move back there. And uh, it would have been me had he not done that. The, if, I don't know if you can tell by the eyes of this young man, you know, the hopelessness. You see this look in many, many people. He's a sweet young man with very little hope. Well, we went to mobile clinics on that bus. And people lined up, they came and they came and they came. And they lined up for dental work and they stayed out in the heat and they'd stay all day. And we worked eight, nine, ten hours and they would stay hoping to get seen. And here, uh, some of the people in this church, can you tell that that's one of our members? The one standing up, he became the head pharmacist. And the girl sitting down, who was a student at Walla Walla University, she became his assistant. And as I said, I became known as Dr. Sherry. And uh, real dentists and helpers came, and we were very thankful for him. And uh, Dr. Flays has said, how many teeth? I can't, it's about, at the time it was about six or 7,000. 
And he kept going to Borneo and other places, um, and God kept blessing him. And it, back at the main clinic where uh, we, after first several days, we were taken back to the main clinic where we worked together, and they lined up and waited again. They stood in line for hours. So we had to put that line, that um, blue line you see there, as a partition to keep them a little bit, say, don't come back here because uh, we, they'd be right in your hip pocket. They prepared one meal a day for us. Thankfully, we were told this ahead of time so we could bring snacks and granola bars. And there's Dr. Flays eating his one meal at the end of the day. And we worked hard. <laughs> And at the, in the evening, after we were all done working, we would take meals that were brought over from the kitchen at the hospital, the Adventist hospital there, and this team came from Vietnam and over there to help us. They were all vegan, and they were the kitchen crew, and they cooked about 1,000 meals every day uh, to prepare for the hospital staff, all the hospital patients, and the entire hospital was tense with uh, people recovering. Then they brought food to us, and um, whatever was left, we took out to elderly people and families with children in the, in the surrounding areas that night. And guess what? We fell in love with these people. The dear children just wanting, they, these people just want someone to care, someone to care. They live in a very impoverished country, and um, I don't know what happened to all the other pictures, this one, but anyway, they just, the children come and hang on you, and they want you to pick them up, and, but the day came when we had to go back to our jobs and our families, and if uh, Ron Tilly was here, he would tell you that we almost didn't get out of there, and I would like you to see this beautiful bus, we've been living in tents for several weeks now, and uh, with a outhouse or or um, maybe a toilet that didn't flush so well. And when we got to go home, we got to get on this bus, and it was the height of luxury. We couldn't believe it. But the miracle was that we got on that bus because he went the day before to make provisions for us to go, got the time, got everything, and we got there only to be told there wasn't room on this bus and or or that we did not have tickets for this bus and uh, and uh, that there wasn't room on it and he went in and talked with them somehow they made room the Lord got us on there and then we found out that was the last bus for that day and we would have missed our flight back uh, we had to go to, back to Dominican Republic to get uh, fly home so anyway, it was a long trip there, long trip back. About a seven and a half hour trip both ways. I always wondered, will we ever get to go back? Will, what can we do? And as I was leaving, I'll go back to that picture. As I was leaving and I was looking out over the people and praying for them, I was saying, Lord, it would be a great help if I could teach them natural remedies, if I could teach the importance of charcoal uh, and what it can do for them. It would be great if they knew how to clean wounds. It would be great if, if they could even just do massage, how wonderful it would be. 
that they can help each other. These people are intent. There are so many people there. They know how to be close. They know how to be crowded. They know, and their desire is to help others as well as, you know, hopefully help themselves. But that's the one thing, and I hope that we all have that, is that we're not just looking out for ourselves, but that we will look out for each other. When disaster happens, whatever, these people help each other, and you'll see that in the coming film. Okay, so I asked the Lord, how can we help? And then as we turned a corner, I saw the little pharmacy girl, and these are girls and, young, and men with five-gallon buckets all strapped, and instead of five gallons, they, they turn out to be 10 feet tall, full because they've got rubber bands holding all these pills and things together. And all of a sudden, she turned around, and I saw GSE, grapefruit seed extract. That is a wonderful thing to learn about if you want to learn about it. How many know about grapefruit seed extract? Wonderful. Well, we'll learn more about that someday. But then I'm praying, and, and all of a sudden, there by the market, I went by, and here was some blackened, blackened wood that they cook their, their food on over their, you know, it's their, it's their fire for their food. And I thought, man, there's charcoal right there. All I have to do is teach them how to shave it off of there, and they can still use the wood for their, for their fire, but some of that charcoal can be used for medicine. And God gave me just a little insight. And he said, yes, Jerry, there is a way. And I didn't know, though, if we'd be able to go back. But guess what? Six months later, I was asked to go back. Now this, you can see, is 2013. And before last year, this was the last time we got to go. But in October of 2010, um, I was asked to go back. And I didn't tell you this part yet, but I'm going to tell you as quickly as I can. The first time, I didn't know if I can go. I just had hired on in a new job six months before. and But... Because of Haiti, the disaster that was all close to our hearts with 300,000 people dying, and since then I've heard it's more. Some people think less, but I think I got this report from Haitians that it was closer to 350,000. I know that the, our paper said 300,000. So that was not at the end yet. In October, um, the Lord got me there the first time. Other people helped pay my way. My mother who, when I first told her I was going to Haiti, said, oh, no. A few days later, I called her back, Mom. They want me to try to pay my own way. Would you help me? $600 she came up with to send me to Haiti when she didn't even want me to go. And through different things, I was able to pay the rest of it. And my work gave me medicine to go. They gave me three weeks off with a couple days at the end of that three weeks to recuperate and they trained somebody to take my to do my job because I was the only one doing that job at that point and um, six months later they asked if I could go again again it was a brand new job you know this time there was no disaster I said Lord I'd like to go but I don't have the money and I can't get off work my doctor came up that Sherry um, I'm taking my vacation in the month of October. I uh, hope you don't mind, but I'm, we, they're not going to need you during that time. And I just told them, well, great. My team wants to go to Haiti again. Only thing I have to do now is make the money. He said, I'll pay your ticket. I just want to tell you this real quick. <laughs> okay, so 
Next time was in February, four months later. Now this, we were going to Guatemala, but Second Hope Ministries was going to Guatemala and they asked me to go. I'd love to, don't know if I can. My doctor, I was praying about it, praying about it. Dr. Kane said, Sherry, in February, four months later, February, I'm gonna take February off this year. Um, same problem, I know it's a little close. And I said, praise the Lord, we're supposed to be going to Guatemala. Now I just <laughs> gotta raise the money. He says, Sherry, I'll pay your ticket this time too. <laughs> God paves the way. So here it is, in between, between 2010 and 2013, the other, other times come up with Second Hope Ministries. And one day, we were getting close, but I didn't have the money to go. I just happened to share with a friend. We were at one of Matthew's friends' house, and I shared with a man there. Didn't know who he was. Other than, didn't really recognize. I should have known, but anyway. I was just telling, he asked me what I what I did and I started telling him about Second Hope Ministries and I told him and he asked well what do you do I said well I teach hydrotherapy and natural remedies and poultices and massages he says hydrotherapy and then he started telling me all about how hydrotherapy had saved his life as a child and um, after we finished talking he said I'd like to support you in this and he wrote me a check for five thousand dollars after we used that up, you know, I wrote them a letter saying thank you, showed them how we'd use it. Next thing I know, $5,000 comes again. And uh, that's how I got to go throughout all of 2013. Five, well, we started in 20, uh, December of 2012, and by end of November, I'd been out five times, all because of this man's generosity. I just want you to know, if you want to go on a mission trip, Give your heart to God. Give your life to God. Give your time to God. He will make it happen. Okay? Those are just a few miracles. And anyway, our trans, uh, translators from the very first time we were here came to the second time, and they learned uh, all the CPR, the stitching, the Heimlich remover. They learned first aid. They learned hydrotherapy, they learned massage, they learned um, poultices, especially with charcoal, and they asked us three years later to come back and teach, and they had borrowed this entire school. I forgot to tell you, we thought we'd have, we thought we would have 30 people at that first time, we had 80, okay? Those people went out excited, and a few days later, cholera broke out, because this was six months after the earthquake, cholera broke out in that town that we had been and we had groups set up all around there and they Dr. Fleck called and said hey look at and they said hey we're on it we got it we got our rehydration salts we got this we're on it we're we're going door to door helping people praise the Lord they knew this an Adventist group over there several Adventist groups but most some of them weren't Adventists but those Adventists that went um they were on it. So three years later, we get invited by some of our translators to come back again. And so here we're walking from uh, his house, because he, he opened up his house, and he opened up an orphanage after the um, earthquake, took in 10 little kids for, that he found on the streets without parents. Anyway, 
we're walking up. The people in blue there are Dr. Fleck, and in front of him is Ricky Kearns, who lives here in town. And uh, I'm behind them, of course, taking the picture. And I don't know if you can see this, but Second Hope Ministries International, the Village Health Training, we are there. And we told them we were coming, and the church, or I should say, the people came, and they packed every room of this school that we could possibly. And then more people came. And Dr. Fleck was saying, what are we going to do with all of these people? <laughs> and not only that, but every place we've gone, the first time we lost a generator three different times. As soon as we walked in the door, the generator blew up, and we were in darkness. And you know, as soon as we walked in the door the first time, um, you knew that you were fighting the devil because as soon as we walked in the door, the generator blew up and there were no lights. And we worked by flashlight. And the people were a little bit discouraged, but we worked by the sunshine the next day. And by the time they found out who we were and what we were about, they were excited. They were going to get a diploma at the end of this. They did not want to miss a single class. And when they came to us, they were tired and hungry but we fed them three meals a day, and they had never seen that before. So we had technical problems, and this is Ricky, our technician. He's expert, in, in, uh, and he's looking at this, saying, okay, how do we get this to work, and can we make it work? But the people kept coming, and here they're out in the, in the walkway before you get into the rooms, and these people are so dedicated there weren't any seats left they were even sitting in the sun these people were sitting in the hallways in the hallways and by the windows so that they could see there was just a, an alleyway inside you'd find older ladies studying and taking notes and you'd see 10 this this little boy 12 years old and uh, and the young man behind him he said can we, I taught a gardening class. He says, Mrs., so can we do this on a large scale? And I told him, yes, if you've got the manpower and you've got the property, you can do this. If you don't have a tractor, get a lot of men together. And yes, you can garden and do it on big, you know, big production. So this young man, I just want to show you, see how he's writing? He's writing just like a college student. Every single page is crammed full. And all these ladies, everybody there is, is um, writing. I don't know if you can see the people in the back looking in the windows, trying to see, trying to hear. And uh, anyway, they, for the entire week, um, we were there. And afterward, it was graduation. I will tell you that 230 people came that time. It takes a lot of writing to sign 230 graduation certificates. And here's uh, Dr. Fleck. And this young man that's with Dr. Fleck was my interpreter back in tw uh, 2010. He calls me mom now. There are several young Haitian fellows who call me mom, and several uh, young girls call me mom too. But uh, he's the one that has been there from the beginning. And I want you to know, well, here we are still passing things out and congratulating them. But I want you to see the response to, oh, I just did it again. I must accidentally hit that button. Um, 
<laughs> anyway, here they are. They are so proud of those diplomas and excited. And they wanted to take pictures with you. And I want to see the little girl, the lady in the light blue. She looks a little sad. That's because she came to have her picture taken with me. And before we got it done, everybody crowded around. Me too, me too, me too. So afterwards, I told her, don't worry. I'll get a picture with you specifically when everybody's done. Anyway, here they come again. And uh, we just, the people loved it. They appreciated, they made us gifts, came up to us personally and told us of their thankfulness. And then it came time to say goodbye again, and we had made friends. And you know, when you go to Haiti and you make friends and you get to know these people, you want to come back. In the process of this from 2013 to last year, my uh, first young man that I was telling you about introduced me to this man right here, this arms open in the blue. His name is Megan's, Metellus Megan's, and that's French, so it's really Megan's Metellus, <laughs> but I've always called him Metellus, and that's fine. Everybody seems to go by the last name anyway. But anyway, he has a real heart for the children. He doesn't have a job that much. He's an interpreter. He tries to get jobs when he can, but it, jobs are very scarce, and you will find that 90% of the people do not have for jobs. They, they try to make a living day to day. And he has a real heart for the children. The children are out, if they can't be in school, they're out roaming the streets. Those who are too poor to get uh, a uniform to go to school can't even go to school. And he tells me, Sherry, the children get molested and abused and on the streets. So he's trying to have a place for them to go and he teaches them about Jesus. And we have named this the Life Changer Ministries. And it's a ministry to help children, but actually it helps everybody. And these children are just, um, were just there as much as they could. And this is my Life Changer group. Metellus is over on that side. And this was his group. Now the two guys in the middle have had to drop out and go to work. They found jobs. But the girl in the pink flowered type of thing, that is now his, that young lady is now his wife. The girl in the light pink is her sister, so she's his sister-in-law. And the fellow in the red shirt, um, he is the musician and uh, best friend. He's also a carpenter. But when I first asked them to send this picture so I could talk with them, they came in T-shirts and they would not smile. And I, you know, because the old way, you know, they were taught never to smile when you're going to have a picture because that's about a couple hundred years old. I say, look it. He said, ma'am, we don't smile in this country. I said, that's old. I know where that comes from. If you're going to sell to America, you got to smile, put on some nice clothes. Look at how you, you should see the difference. But anyway, they are such wonderful people. And this is the way they really are. Now, that's Metellus with that generator on his head. And the fellow in the red shirt is now with the orange shorts on. And they, his friends, they walk up to the mountain village where the fellow with the red shorts was raised to taking the um, education and stories of the Bible. Um, they've taken their love for God up into this mountain village. It takes them five hours to walk, 
with all that equipment. Without that equipment, they can go a little faster. They said, oh, probably four hours. Well, this is not the right motorcycle, but I want to thank you to everybody who gave me cash and said, use this in a way um, that you want. And I can see several people here now that contributed. This last year, I was able to give them a motorcycle so they could go up to that mountain village. And a lot of that you people donated. I just want you to know where your money is gone. The other thing, we, we took blankets and dresses and toothbrushes, and you also provided many of those blankets. So we are on our way now, Sabbath mission adventure high into the mountains of Haiti. And um, I just want to give you a little, and I don't know if you can see that young man. He's carrying a bucket on his head, and that mountain is pretty steep. But uh, we've got modern and not so modern. <laughs> but it took us four hours, or three hours and 45 minutes to get there by four-wheel drive truck. So I'm thinking, huh, these kids are walking four hours, and uh, they made it faster than the truck did, or as fast. Anyway, we got there. We left at 8.20 in the morning, on Sabbath morning, and got there at like 20 minutes after 11. Was that maybe that 9, 10, 11? Oh, yes, that was only three hours, right? <laughs> okay, so anyway, so we made it an hour faster. But anyway, we were, the children come at 8 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I said, what time do you head out? We usually leave 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Well, we were dead tired. We got up early to go, and we were 8.20 we left after packing up, and the children were still waiting for us. Some of them had started home, but they, they were lingering, and when they saw us, they came running back. And here the kids, Metellus is introducing us, and the kids are flooding back just as quickly as they can. And uh, more people are more kids are coming and more kids are coming. We're passing out toothbrushes. This is Stephanie. She is modeling the dress so that everybody can see what it looks like. We had to have her picture. And you see the people in the back. They are now the adults coming in. And these children are just lovely and attentive. And they were singing songs to Jesus in Creole, maybe French. But anyway, I think these young people speak Creole. And uh, then I brought in my bag 25 pounds of lentils, and I passed it out, some to every child, and there was leftover, and we had enough for every adult that had come, and we included them in the clothing. We had clothing for adults, too, so we, they were able to get something, and we even gave the farmer um, some seeds. Now, these, I asked the girls, I need to show the ladies that made these dresses, so please let me take your picture, and they put their dresses on real quick, and there's Kristoff uh, with his hat. He's hot. <laughs> anyway, but we're all in there together. And here's Metellus, Kristoff, and Stephanie with the kids and me. And we just had a wonderful time that Sabbath afternoon. And um, so now I need to let you know that through um, Metellus, I needed some help, and I called Jonathan Euler, and this is Jonathan Euler. We actually have a better picture. He's kind of growing a little bit longer beard um, right at the moment, but you see, he's on his way to this orphanage, and these children just love him, and that's where the orphanage is up this mountain. Lisa and Joe have been there, 
and they're going to show more pictures of that, so I'm not going to dwell on this. But this, the fellow in the white is Mexini. That's Jonathan's right-hand man. And he is the owner of this orphanage. And at age 16, after the earthquake, he had the sense enough to get an acre of land that the government was giving away. Well, it's high on the mountain, as you saw, and there is no water. So Jonathan provides water. He, they built a cistern to hold the water. And these are Mexney's parents, who he leaves in charge of the orphanage and the children, while he is Jonathan's right-hand man. And here is my first time meeting Mex, uh, Metellus, who I've spoken to for about a year and a half. And yes, for a year and a half before I ever got to meet him. And this is my dear friend Barbara, who I met the day before, and we traveled to Haiti together. And this is the young man I shared with you was my interpreter back in ten, uh, 2010 after the earthquake. He's a number of years older, and I will tell you, I have not slept in three days except maybe two hours, and Barbara hasn't slept in two, so we kind of look haggard here. <laughs> and I'm going to take you to the Pearl of the Beehive Haiti. This is a farm and a teaching um, acreage. 42 acres now that they have been able to gather in, in Haiti, known as the Pearl. But it belongs to the Beehive Haiti. It cannot belong to an American. Uh, it has to belong to an organization where Haitians are part of. And so that's how they've got this property. And this is the guest house that was just built. And this is when I went to it. It was like this. And... Um, we were there to paint it and sand it and to paint, fix up other things. This is a side view. And then I'm going to show you now. This is the very first building that was ever built there on the Pearl. And it's built with um, pallets. And the people got together. They got, they got garbage pallets. And they built this little room or this little house. It's not really a house. It's a shed. It's a big shed. It's been a tool shed. It's also been somebody's home. Uh, the manager lived in there for a while. Right now, Joe's going to tell you it is a school. And school for the most impoverished. The parents don't have uh, money to get them their uniforms. They can't even go to school without uniforms. So Jonathan has opened up a little school and... Joe's going to tell you more about that. That room in the back, or that building in the back, is the three windows where you see, that's Jonathan's apartment. It's very narrow. And on the other side behind him is a tool shed where everything's kept. And then the big part that has no windows, that is a multi-purpose. It's a storage room. It's a tool shed. It the, becomes a medical clinic when the doctors come. It becomes a bunkhouse when there's too many people for the guest house. And uh, it, it is everything. It became our vacation Bible school room. They have chickens. They're trying to teach the people how to take care of uh, poultry and to really get eggs. The people there are so hungry, they kill the animals before they even get an egg. So um, Jonathan gave them all goat, a goat or two and hoping that they would try to breed them and get little herds, and they were all gone because the people are so hungry. Well, this is the daddy of all those baby turkeys. There were 11 of them. Anyway, so he's trying to teach the children how to 
treat animals as well. This was built just about six months before I got there, and it's the outdoor kitchen. And you see this over there in the corner, that the brown thing? That is a villager sun oven that was bought used, and I know how to use a sun oven because I happen to have a small one. Uh, but I don't know how to use it 100% because I never got to use mine, but I had the instructions. And so I'm putting it to work. I'm so excited. And we got to cooking it. That's a huge squash and a pot of beans, and it can cook things. But this one needs a few repairs. And then the other thing is uh, Jonathan is teaching carpentry and furniture making. Actually, the, the um, headquarters in Port-au-Prince has a furniture factory that he is being able to pay the young people and give them um, money for their work. And also it helps a little bit. It doesn't pay the bill, but it, it helps a little bit for, for some things. But this is uh, my dear friend Lisa here at Vacation Bible School when we were the last time. And then I taught a gardening class, and this is my friend Metellus taking that information he learned from the gardening class, trying to till up his ground. And you see the poor people, they're always on a hill. He just finished his house, got married in December, and is um, joined us in March and learned about gardening. And he's out there trying to make a garden. And I should tell you, he's gotten his first couple of things off of it. Now they also do outreach. And this is another orphanage that they work with. One of their volunteers supports this orphanage, and we try to love these children too. You will find that there are lots of orphanages. Sometimes they are good orphanages, and sometimes they, miss, they treat the children badly. So this is the new school, but there's another school being prepared, and this is what it looked like last year. And um, it is a promise for a future and, it's to let, and we are there to let them know that our future is in Jesus and he is coming soon. And now it's time for you to hear Joe and Lisa's story. I went over this year and um, I called Lisa for some reason or, or she texted me asking me what I'm doing or when I was going on a mission trip. And I told her, wow, I'm about ready to go to Haiti. First words out of her mouth was, can we go too? <laughs> and, and I said, sure. Uh, if you can, and then she says, I don't think we've got the funds. And the next thing, I contact the people that I'm going with, and they say there's a, there's a couple that are coming. They didn't tell me they were coming. They just went straight to the people I had sent them to. And the next thing I know, Joe and Lisa joined me on my last mission trip, and they've got some special uh, things to tell you now. And I'm going to ask them to come on up. Um, Anyway, I'm going to leave a little gift here for them, and they don't know about this, but they're going to need this little gift. And Hello? There we go. Thank you, Sherry. We appreciate that. Um, there's a couple of things that happened last year um, to us. Uh, I don't know if you remember in uh, Paradise, California, there's big fires that was going on. Well... That at that same time, um, my husband's shed that we had built up in Kettle Falls burned down at the same time. And, and it was very strange. We thought it was odd. But at the same time, we were thinking, Jesus is coming. 
we're glad we don't have to deal with all that stuff we had in that, in that shed. And we started, as we were watching everything burn down to the ground, because we had just come back, our neighbors had called us and said, your house is on fire. And we came back, and there, it wasn't our house. We were very thankful to the Lord. It wasn't our house. It was a shed where Joe kept all his tools, and our dogs would stay in there. And so as it burnt down to the ground, we were thinking, this is what it's going to look like at the end of the world. And I was so thankful that God could show me in his mercy not to hang on to this world because it's not going to last. And I was grateful to God that he allowed this to happen. Well, that also kind of went into the next part. Uh, we had to give away one of our dogs because we couldn't keep them uh, in our house, both in our house. And so I said, Lord, I miss that dog so much. And he said to me, and I said, Lord, I love that dog. And he said to me, how about people? Do you love people? And I said, Lord, I don't love people like I should. I said, please help me, Lord. I want to love people. And at this time was when we were thinking about whether or not we should go to Haiti. And I thank God that he put it in my heart to want to go to Haiti more even more than my husband, and I was surprised. But I wanted to go so bad, I said, Joe, we have to go, I really wanna go. And so I thank God that he put it in our heart because it was a wonderful experience. Oh, so we wanna read the Psalms that we thought was so appropriate. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him. Talk, talk, talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Oh, man. So you see the picture here. Um, a little white lamb. What does that remind you of? Jesus, right? Jesus, the Lamb of God, that taketh away the sins of the world. Look how white it is when it's born compared to the mama. Awesome. That was one of the first things uh, when we got to Bohawk that we saw the Lamb being born. That was very interesting to us. But before we got to Bohawk, I was in Haiti one other time. Uh, several years before, I came there to uh, do some ministry with Quiet Hour. And, and so, uh, make the story shorter, uh, I was on my way out. Uh, I was headed for the airport. And uh, when I got to the counter, my flight had just left. Amazing. God always has reasons for things. And the guy that was standing next to me says, I, I lost my flight too. And that was Jonathan. We both missed our flight. We didn't even know each other. God worked it out that we would meet each other at that point. And so, 
we got on the next flight together. And we didn't know that it was going to happen. And the other thing is, we were to sit with, uh, with each other on the flight, which <laughs> it was God's dealing on how he wanted us to come together because he had something in store. So now, we will be going back to Haiti to work. We're leaving uh, July uh, 16 to work at Bohawk uh, for at least a year, God willing. So this picture um, uh, was very uh, dear to us. And then the first Sabbath that we got there, this is the church that is uh, in the neighborhood of uh, Bohawk, so we went to. Uh, they do not speak English, it's all French. Creole, French Creole. And uh, you can see uh, Sherry there sitting in the middle uh, at the same uh, church. Uh, right after uh, that evening, um, before sundown, we had a Bible study. Do you see any older people there? It's all young people at the Bible study. Awesome. I thought that was so good. And then, and then we headed back uh, to our... Uh, to where we were staying, which this is the building. Um, I'm kind of going fast. And, and this is the garden uh, at Bohawk that uh, they fenced in to keep the animals out, but uh, not the birds. Uh, and we put up this screen while we were there uh, to keep uh, the shade on, on the plants as they grow. And of course, uh, as Sherry said, this is where we made the food and this is where we dine. Now this, this shop is like she was saying, is a multi-purpose room. Uh, right now is used for uh, VBS. Uh, the first night, over a hundred kids came without any advertisement. At the, the last night, there was over 200 children that came. It increased every night. How would you like that? How would you like to see your church increase like that every night when you have evangelism? And of course, that's the school uh, that uh, they're using right at this point. And this is the building uh, that they're building uh, for the future school in the area. Uh, as you see, it's not finished, and uh, it stands like this right now because there are no funds. And we're hoping that when we get there, uh, uh, God willing, God will open the doors for funds to come. And uh, that's another building that uh, they use for uh, adult training uh, to teach them how to use their hands, like uh, how to use tools to build um, carpentry or, or doing electrical work, um, things like that. So it's sort of a, a trade uh, training center. Now, we were um, on our way back. It was... Uh, Thursday, and 
and I think you guys were leaving on the Friday uh, around noon, but it's about four-hour drive to get from Bohawk to Port-au-Prince. But in order, but over there, you cannot trust the road because they can do a roadblock and then you're stuck. So you have to think ahead. So we says, okay, let's leave on Thursday afternoon. Well, this is where some miracles happened. We were, uh, it was starting to rain that afternoon as we left. And the first thing happened is we were on a uh, um, detour. Off the main road, we were taken on this kind of a road. And this is a lot of vehicles that are on this road. And uh, we got stuck because the mud there is very, yeah. Slippery. Very slippery. You just, it's awesome. We had fun. This is kind of what you would run into on that road. Everybody was spinning, sliding, but nobody got hit, luckily. It was amazing. So, um, but God was good to us, and we were able to get out. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my going. So that was our first incident on our trip. The next incident, uh, we got out of that miry clay, and we got on the main road, and we headed for town. And as we got to town, we found out when we were in town that the road was indeed blocked. And so we didn't know what to do. So we were driving around trying to figure, and there's three of us in our little convoy, three vehicles. And the one that was leading, a motorcycle uh, person came up to him and he says, follow me. What do you think of that? Would you follow a person that says, follow me? And you don't even know? So we followed him, and he took us on some back road to get us past the roadblock. Well, this is kind of what you would see on, on that road. We came to a river, and the truck that was leading got stuck in the middle of the river. And so that was our second incident. And God is true to his word. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. But we prayed, and God led us through the river. I don't know if you've ever gone through rivers with a vehicle. But it, 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 you don't know how big of the boulders are under there. You don't know how slippery it is. So you know that God led us through. We praise the Lord for that. Well, um, as we went on, we got out of there and we got on the main road. And we go, woohoo, we're on our way. There's a paved road, it's beautiful, here we go. And it wasn't very long, they had another ro roadblock. And so we were now wondering how we're going to get around this. But we noticed that cars were going around into the ditch and it's very sloped. And they would drive sloped around and get it passed. Well, look at our vehicle. You think that's possible with our vehicle? Top heavy? <laughs> so the police saw our predicament and he says, everybody out. 
And so we, uh, we, uh, we unloaded and we walked around the roadblock and the driver, I'm sure was a little uh, apprehensive, but he uh, went and he drove past and uh, we were able to get around. Psalms 105, 43, and he brought forth his people with joy. Yes, and we were joyful for that. <laughs> and uh, now again, we're down on the road and we're headed. And so we were so happy. And so as we were going down the road, guess what? Now we had a police roadblock. And, and the two vehicles in front of us, they didn't stop. But our vehicle, they saw, and he, the policeman said, motioned us over. And the uh, driver didn't want to move over. So <laughs> we're wondering, what is he doing? And so we, um, he continued driving, and all of a sudden we see a, uh, a soldier come out from the uh, side there, and he stood in front with a gun pointed right at him. And of course, he moved over, and we were glad for that. No weapon is, that is formed against thee shall prosper, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So we finally made it uh, towards Port-au-Prince, and uh, we were so happy, but it took us something like six hours to go that time, uh, through that time period. If we would have done that on Friday, we would not have made it to the airport in time. So God was good. We need to listen to God all the time and to hear him when he speaks to us and tells us, go this way or do this. Listen to his voice. Um, now we're in Port-au-Prince. Uh, the group has left. We stayed another two weeks. And so the reason we went the first, uh, the reason we went is to help this church that we had started with Quiet Hour. They had, um, as you see, uh, the windows are covered with block because they don't have any money to finish it. And they didn't want anyone coming into the church to steal whatever there is in there. They met in this church with a half a roof to worship. And they met in this church with the dirt on the ground, and this is how they worshiped. They didn't mind kneeling down before their maker. And as, as a visitor, I felt that as I worshiped before my maker, I needed to kneel down, no matter what the floor was like. He's the one that created us, isn't he? Shouldn't we bring glory to him? You know, there's travel advisories over in Haiti right now. It was in uh, a level four, which is the highest level. They're discouraging anybody from America to go over there. But people are still in need to hear the word. We used to send missionaries to other countries 100, 200 years ago into tribes that, that would eat you if they can get a hold of you. 
but they weren't scared because they were bringing the word of God to them. Why should I be scared to go to Haiti? Because there's an advisory? I think we all need to uh, come to a decision. Where is your heart? Who has your heart? If Jesus is in your heart, there should be no fear. No matter where you go or what you are to do, God is with you. He will take care of you. So we are leaving in two weeks. No matter what the advisory is, we want to glorify his name and we want to reach the people. Please pray for us. Not only us, pray for them that we are able to reach them. When I was there, a uh, pastor of the church says, can you do a Daniel and Revelation seminar for our pastors? And not only our pastors, but I'll get the pastors from the other denominations to come. What an opportunity to reach because what you share with them, they're going to share to their group, to their church. I say a big wow to that. I'm not going to finish off the slides I have. The rest. But I want to encourage you to help us to help them. In whatever means, prayer, funds, whatever means, whatever God is speaking to your heart, let's finish this work. Jesus is coming. And you can see it. You hear it. You know it. As he speaks to your heart, so do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to work for you. We just want to give you all the glory and the honor. May you be praised. May you be lifted up.